Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hey, it's Hugh Ballou. We're back for another edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. Russell Dennis in Denver, you and I are going to be together in Florida tomorrow, the day after this broadcast. How are you doing today, Russell? Wonderful, wonderful day here in the neighborhood. We are at Kaiser University in West Palm on bright and early Thursday morning. I'm excited about it, but I'm more excited about who we have here today. We have a young lady here by the name of Ivy Slater, and she's here to talk about results leaders can get when. Dot, dot, dot. So, Ivy, we like people to tell a little bit about themselves. You know, it doesn't make sense for somebody who doesn't know you much to introduce you. Just give us a sense for what's your background and why are you doing this work that you're doing now? What's your passion? Um, oh, great. So what's my background? My background is I owned a printing company in New York City. I was in the printing industry for over 20 years. Um, built a successful, profitable business by raising my children here. Um, you know, got into that industry. It was a completely male-dominated world. So there was a lot of obstacles and hurdles to navigate late 80s, early 90s built a book of business that enabled me to then build my own company, my own brand, and build and identify what success was for me, um, which was great. Uh, you know, in uh, 2007, um, I reached the prime age of 45 and said, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm not going to die a printer. I was going to be a dancer growing up. I was going to do this. I was going to do this. And I ended up with a great business and a great life. But you know, my self-identity was very questioned of like, well, where, where's my legacy? What am I going to leave behind? What am I going to stand on? And I said, there's got to be something more. And uh, I was working out with a girlfriend doing walking lunges in a park in New York City. And she looked at me, she goes, you ought to become a coach. And I said, you want me to coach children and what? And she goes, no, 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 Ivy, you've helped me build my business. I said, yeah, I, I know business. What's your point? And she's like, well, there's this whole world of coaching out there and consulting and all of this. And I kind of scratched my head and I went home and we were just laughing about the internet a few minutes ago and I hit Google and I was like, what is coaching? Okay. Soccer. No, not me. Tennis. Eh, not so good. You know, I was like, you know, what is business? What, is there coach? Is there coaching in business is I think what I Googled next. And um, from that moment, I started, uh, this was April of 07. By June, I'm a decision maker. I'm an action taken to decision maker, which is, leads to what I do today. And I was signed up uh, to get educated to learn what coaching is by June. Spent the summer, um, the program started in September, spent the summer uh, reading profusely, you know, book after book after book. What can I get my hands on in every direction? And uh, in January of 2008, I opened Slater Success. We are a coaching, consulting, leadership company. Um, I help companies scale and grow. I help great leaders build and scale and grow themselves. That's fun. That's fun. And it's all about growing. And, but every organization needs to scale and grow, doesn't it? Every organization, every human being needs to scale and grow. You know, if we're not growing, we're stagnant. And if it's an organization or people in organizations, when you're stagnant, what, what happens next? What are you going to do? Who, what do you become? If you're just, li if you're a content and living on a plateau, you know, what does tomorrow look like for you? When we engross ourselves in organizations, we engross ourselves, and when the organization is put in a, um, a strategy to up-level, scale, growth, we look at marketing, we look at sales, we look at finance, and we look at the leadership that's leading them there. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. And I'll always say the, the secret ingredients, that secret sauce, and, and I do love to cook, so watch out. I love to cook and I love to garden. Those are the hobbies right now. Um, and 
you know, what's that, what's that herb you throw in? You know, what's that special ingredient that makes that recipe yours? And that's around the mindset. You know, what is that mindset for success? Are there some common barriers that nonprofits face when it comes to growth? Yeah, well, the one I think one of the biggest misconceptions are nonprofits are businesses. They're, they sell differently, right? So their, their end user is not their purchaser, right? So you look at marketing and you look at sales a little differently there. The people there are servicing, right, is not the people they're selling to. They're selling to their donors, but they're still presenting a, a value proposition. How do we make an impact? Why is this impact important to you? What's the effect it makes on you as a human being? Why do you care? And that's the value proposition and the investment. What the beautiful thing about nonprofits are is it then goes to, you know, the finance collected, the money collected, then goes to make a difference in parts of the universe that need this impact. So it's really about capturing the measures, both in terms of how well you use the dollars and, and how you impact people. Uh, what do you think is the best tool that, that leaders have to sort of balance the two? Um, I think great leaders have a couple of things here. And truly, great leaders are visionaries. So they're always looking ahead, right? We're looking ahead. We're visioning ahead. We're working on, if it's 2019, we're seeing 2020, we're seeing 2023, we're seeing 2025. What, in, especially in nonprofits, what can we do by then? What can we raise by then? What impact can we make on a community by then? Right? And in the vision, then they, number two is they implement a goal and they break it down in the SMART goal process. What's specific? What's measurable? What's achievable, which is where your action plan is sitting. What's the action plan that strategy put in place? You know, is, um, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, is it realistic? And what's the time frame? Is this a 12-month time frame? Is it a 24-month time frame, a 36-month time frame? That's how this works. That's how this works. Um, yeah, you're definitely talking about language here in terms of how you go about building an organization. So talk a little bit about how you you coach people to do that, because you've been working with both for-profit and non-profit uh, businesses. What's commonly the first thing you have to say to a non-profit leader to, to sort of make a shift into the need for these, uh, for strategy and systems and, and all of these things. How do you kind of prime the pump to start that conversation with them? Um, so I break it real, I break it down really simply. And this is get you know, to your audience, this is going to sound like, really? That's it? <laughs> it's going to sound really simplistic. But what do you want and why do you want it? So what do you want for your organization? What do you want for your life? And why is this important to you? Because it comes down to that why that creates that purpose. Without it, it becomes irrelevant. It just becomes, you know, we can put a strategy in place. The three of us could sit down and, and I got to know you guys enough to know the three of us can hunker down an organization, give us a board, give us some insight, and we can put together an organizational strategy to grow and scale and impact the world. But how do you actually make that happen? And if the leadership is not corrected to their own why and their own sense of purpose and why this is important to them, then they get off track. All those, you know, bright, shiny objects start showing up in a thousand directions. Oh, yeah, maybe I'll do this now, or maybe I'll do this now. It's, hey, slow down, all of you. What's your purpose? What's your why? This is the strategy. And once that's connected and that's in alignment, that's the ability to stay on course. 
So Ivy, um, I, I'm sure Russell has this issue too. I constantly find um, business leaders who say, oh, that leadership stuff in the nonprofit, that's different than what we do in business. But I discover that the deficits, are, let's call them gaps in skills and, and understanding, are pretty much the same with a corporate leader or a nonprofit leader, even clergy. And so uh, what my response is, well, I think they're similar, they're similar skills, but it's a lot more difficult in the nonprofit space. How would you handle that kind of, that kind of comment? People are people are people. Um, you, you want three people or people are people. <laughs> this, is a, this isn't about the business. This isn't about the nonprofit. This isn't about the religious organization. This isn't about parenting or the schools or anything else. People are people are people. The more you grow great leaders, the greater impact we make when, the people, when those leaders are in their place of business, their place of executive director and high level in nonprofits, parents at home, clergy of any sort, it doesn't matter. It's about the leadership of people. And I think one thing that's just, people don't realize is a great thing to acquire is become great at your habits. Okay? So, Habits are underrated. <laughs> Russell's giggling. Uh, <laughs> habits are underrated. If you go to the gym every day at 7 o'clock, go to the gym every day at 7 a.m., okay? Have that religious habit. In the same way, you look at your numbers, you look at your finances. I, I teach something that's called Money Monday and Financial Friday. Mm. Know, know your numbers. You have a responsibility to know your numbers. Now, you want to look at it as business knowing your numbers. You want to look at it as a CEO. You want to look at it as an executive director. You want to look at it as having sales meetings, having donor meetings, board meetings about numbers. Do you want to look at it as your personal finance know your numbers? Money Monday, Financial Friday. Ha habits. You know, I, I challenged a client today, <laughs> this morning. I said, I expect you to be picking up the phone three times, four days a week on reach outs. Does that, does that person, doesn't matter if she's the CEO, CEO of a profit or an executive director of a nonprofit. It's irrelevant. You're going to get the results. Russell, did you get that? She challenged the client. I love it. <laughs> well, you have to... <laughs> Sometimes we push ourselves to get those results that we want. And, and in speaking about habits, that works a lot toward mindset. And, and I think mindset with, with doing social good and doing work to, to improve society, uh, <clears throat> there's some disconnects between uh, some of the thought processes and, and people have challenges around money, uh, whether they're working no matter what their tax status is, but nonprofits in particular, when you speak to why, uh, that's what keeps the, the, the engine going, just being connected with that. That's the thing that drives you when, when the going gets tough. But a lot of leaders end up in overwhelm mode and they're doing a lot of things. And, and uh, how common is it to see folks just sort of uh, lose focus because they've lost track of that why and uh, what sort of habits do they fall into so I, I had mentioned earlier that my um, hobbies especially in the summertime are gardening and cooking so in the gardening pr perspective you know you have to weed kind of every week to keep the weeds out of the garden so here's the question on the analogy here do you get stuck in just the weeds? Because if you do, are you really focused on growing and expanding your garden? Because I know at certain times of the year, we can split things and we can have even more. We could have more flowers. We could have more grasses. We can have more hydrangeas and more roses and bee balm and, and lilies, right? You could split and you can have more. 
without all that much effort if you're paying attention to it. But if you get caught just weeding, you miss the opportunity of splitting and growing. Those are for the gardeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, it's the seeds you plant. When you start a nonprofit organization, you're planting seeds. Everything that we do, we're planting seeds when we're bringing value to people. And, and this is what leaders do. And uh, uh, is, there, is there a tendency to uh, get stuck in, in how and lose sight of the big picture? And how can we avoid that if that's the case? Oh, it's so easy to get stuck in the how. It's, it's the day-to-day -day business of running an organization. You get stuck in the how. Um, you get stuck in the clutter of it, in the weeds of it. You know, there are so many words we can use there. You know, the question is then, how do you motivate yourself out of it? You know, number one, you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision and you have to identify what you can do. Okay, so I will, again, I challenge my clients. I, I say, you know, I'm going to ask you if you could do one thing, but, you know, by the next 24 hours, and I want you to text me when it's done. It's like, identify one thing you can do in the next 24 hours that will move your business or organization forward. And I'm certain that the one thing has to be something that's tied to the big picture strategy. Yeah. It, exactly. And it doesn't have to be, you know, when I say it doesn't have to be big because you only have 24 hours to get this one thing done and you have to do your job. So find one thing that you can do that will move your business forward or your organization forward in 24 hours. You know, like, well, I've been meaning to reach out to this person or I really, you know, I, I've been trying to get this meeting on the calendar and it keeps falling off. It's just like, I'm putting it on, that's it, you know, and, and I'm making sure it's confirmed or I'm reaching out to this one person that's been on my to-do list or whatever it is. But when you then start doing that one thing each day and then we can increase it to two and we can increase it to three things, let's not go beyond, beyond three. But I, if you can identify one thing, then two, and then three, and keep it simple. People overcomplicate business so bloody much. Keep it simple. So and do them. Create that habit and do it. Block it off in your calendar. Huge fan of calendaring. So that's the start of getting great results, folks. You heard it from the source. And that, that first thing is to do that one thing that's, that's most important. Do that, add on later, but do that one thing. And I believe that leaders should do the things that only they can do when you start talking in terms of high-level people like your executive director. Uh, I sit on the board of, a, of trustees at my church, and, and one of the things that happens with us, one of the things I see that happens with a lot of people is we get stuck in conversations about day-to-day -day things. That's, that's not the place the board needs to be. What are your feelings on that? And what have you seen? And, and how have you uh, helped the organizations you work with uh, deal with that problem? Because I think that that leadership on the board of directors should have a focus on strategy and not day-to-day. -day. Uh, a board of directors is, is moving that organization forward. So we said earlier is about the, the leaders in the, organization, in the organizations are the visionaries. So that doesn't mean, and no disrespect, that doesn't mean that my job is to take out the trash, okay? I, I might be, gee, can we make money from the trash leaving? Okay, that might be my vision. Okay, what can we recycle? What can we sell? What can, right? I, I, that might be, right? Because that goes in the vision of moving things forward. You know, everything that does not move that organization forward is delegatable. Everything that's also not in your sweet spot. We all don't have, especially on a board, we don't all have the same skill sets. You don't want the same skill sets on a board. Okay, you want complementary skill sets. What my skill set is might not be what Russell or Hugh's skill set is. What, your, what Hugh's skill set is might not be Russell's sweet spot. Know your sweet spot. That's what you bring to the vision. Anything that takes you away from that is what should be getting delegated. 
That's a misunderstood word in my world, Ivy. Now there's a connection between what you're just talking about. Um, we're champions for transformational leadership and that's about the vision. And the first thing the transformational leader is to find things you can actually take off your plate. But there's a skill in delegation. You spoke about calendar a minute ago and, and mm -hmm. um, we're gonna be in Florida tomorrow um, doing a, a 26th version of a one-day leadership empowerment symposium and we we polled people what are what are the primary issues you're dealing with and number one is leader burnout and that's about half of the group at least so that that that's not only a function of the calendar that's part of we're not don't have the discipline of, of utilizing our time correctly but it's also this whole paradigm about you don't have to take out the garbage. So how do you help people? I keep hearing it as an excuse. Well, I need to be willing to do what I ask other people to do. And I say, okay, the key word is willing. Every time you're doing it, you're robbing them of a service opportunity. So how do you help people grasp this thing? Because this, this black hole that we goes into, this vortex we get sucked into, is usually um, a matter of our own making. So how do you advise people to deal with that black hole that gets we get sucked into how raw can I be go for it go for it <laughs> <laughs> let go of your stinking egos Ooh. let go of your egos you are not the end-all be-all okay down, down bottom line you might believe you can do something better and you might be and you might do something more efficiently you might have your way of doing something be open that the job can get done and it might not be your way. The key is that it gets complete. And stop saying your way or feeling and believing your way is the right way. So leaders don't have to be right. Leaders need to see tasks complete. The more time a leader can spend on developing and fulfilling that vision, raising the capital and see the mission implemented. That is their J-O-B. That is their job. Okay. Doing, writing the marketing because I write it better is not their job. Identifying a great marketing person is their job. That doesn't mean they're going to be as good as them. They just need to be really good. Let go of your ego. That's a that's a something that's going to move people toward results. Definitely, I call it getting out of my own way. And when people ask me how my day is going, I say it's been great. I've managed to stay out of my own way. I think a lot of it it boils down to to getting the right people on board. Jim Collins calls it getting the right people on the bus, where you bring in the right team members and. It's it's uh, it's finding the most talented people, which is tricky in nonprofit circles because there's almost a mindset where you have to you have to reel everything in. And when profit making companies go out and spend big money for for certain people, uh, it, they frown on it. But uh, it's really a value exchange for results. So it's bringing the right people in, the people with the talent and the skills to get things done. And then letting them do it. <laughs> right. Get, you know, get out of your way. Get out of their way. Empower them to do their job and trust that it's going to get done. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to have ch check-ins and touch bases and meetings and they have to submit things, okay? You, you, you can't necessarily let, you know, you and I were talking when we got on and we were just chatting at the beginning and catching up talking at the Bronx Zoo, you can't let the animals out of the zoo, guys, okay? You need to do your job and touch base with your team and have, and have those meetings and have things submitted and possibly read. And guess what? Maybe they shouldn't be read by you next. Maybe the person doing the marketing should be passing it over to this one to read beforehand, right? Create layers and systems. That's a little like letting the inmates run the prison. <laughs> breaks okay now I, I we do call it leadership and my simple definition of a leader is an influencer we influence people I'm a I'm a conductor people think a musical conductor is a dictator 
I got to tell you, when you hire a union orchestra and you're in front of them with a little white stick, you can't make them do anything, but you can influence them. So we've got our own ensemble on our board and our volunteers. So our job is to influence them. So this, this is a big area of, of struggle for nonprofit leaders all over. You know, this, this whole delegation thing, how do, we, how do we build a strong culture that, that performs at a high level? Would you talk for a minute, you talked about SMART goals. Um, we, we have a vision for the organization and it's our job to be able to clearly execute the vision. And by the way, you're not telling a book, you're, you're, right, you're not speaking a book, you're speaking a statement. And then when you delegate, part of that vision is here's your piece of it. This is your goal for this point in time. My and Russell may have similar experience. We find that a lot of leaders really can't define the end result. So there's, there's some confusion and yes, we could have a, do it, but we want to delegate it and they're going to do it differently. But if we're clear about the end result, there's a good chance they might do it better. So talk about vision and goal setting and how do we transfer that information and then nurture the process, not micromanage. So um, one of the things I love about leadership is that collaboration <laughs> and bringing out the best in everyone. So if, we're, if, if I'm running something, okay, or I have any influence, that we're going to pull that their leadership team together and we're going to create a vision and a strategy together. And then I'm going to ask for volunteers to take components. Guys, who has the best, you know, who has relationships here that you can reach out to? How could that be of help? So I'm going to ask great questions. And I'm going to ask people to step up. That's part of their exercise as part of their commitment to the organization. In that way, now we're like, okay, so now we have, let's, we created a list. These are the things. What has not been checked off our list yet? Who is willing to take this on? Okay. Now you're going to create a schedule for each component. And guess what? That schedule goes in the calendar. And then you're going to say, before you walk out of that room, okay, it is August 20th today, or whatever day this is, August 23rd, 25th. Okay, so why don't we, everybody run? It sounds like we're at the end of August. A great, our great next meeting, we might be able to meet in person. We might meet on a Zoom platform or another conference line type of platform. September 15th, everybody is going to show up with what they've gotten accomplished, three things they've accomplished, and three things they need help with. So it's very, again, we're going back to specifics. So you have an assignment at the meeting. What have I gotten done? Where do I need help? Well, it's definitely setting a direction. And what you've talked about in there is what we call accountability, also, is creating those accountabilities. But people being champions for things that resonate with them is important too from the sound of that leaders get great results when they bring people in and have them working at their at their strengths and uh if if there's involvement on some level in formulating how something gets done or just having the people say you know what i know that this lady has the skill set I've set the parameters this is what i want to have done. this is the result that i want and we'll lead the how to her skill set. And that's where you gather people with you that you believe are responsible, committed, and action takers. Sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like uh, <laughs> we would enjoy sitting in on meetings that you conduct. And that's one of the things we talk to people about meetings for. It's uh, a lot of times you walk into a room and people are stuck in that day-to-day -day stuff. And, and uh, But really, your meetings uh, are check-ins. It's a place to find out what's working, what's not working. Uh, it's a check-in and there's not really a lot of finger pointing. There's really uh, how do we advance things. And we talk about deliverables because as you said, we, we agree on what we're going to get done. And I don't think you wait till the next meeting. You, know, you may meet weekly, but if somebody 
uh, need something in the interim or they have challenges, you know, sometimes they can't come to a leader. I mean, I've, I've had people that I worked for in the past that I've tried to be proactive and go to them and say, well, you know, I might be having a little bit of a bottleneck. And, uh, you know, the, the response is, you're a smart guy, get it done. <laughs> so I stopped going to that particular supervisor. How common is that in your experience and how do you help people work around that? You know, um, I'll, I'll go back to my printing days. Okay, because let, let's, let's go to reality, okay? So you have a client who comes to you that's paying you to produce a job. They have a set delivery day, and they're running late. And you're like, well, obviously, I'll need more time. They're like, no, 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 we're sorry. The delivery date is as is. It's like, well, you're running late. Yeah, we realize we are having internal issues, but we're launching this to the public at this date. This is. It is what it is. And then you're scrambling. Okay, so how do I make this happen? What do I have to do to make it work? And as in your, your referencing, I can't go back to the leader. I can't go back to the client. They don't want to really hear my problems. Okay, and this is where nonprofit and business run hand in hand. Client doesn't want to hear that I'm struggling to get it done. They want it done. The leadership has other things they're dealing. They're like, just do your job, get it done. And then it's, okay, so how am I going to do this? And I could sit at my desk and I could twirl my hair and think about it. Or I could say, okay, I don't know. Who can I talk to? So I referenced earlier, what's one thing I can do? And what I used to do is say, okay, who can I talk to? Who could help me with this? Maybe let me call my paper people. Let me call my press people. Let me call the binary people. You know, if I have a truck waiting, maybe if they charge me extra and I could expedite the delivery, I could see what my trucking options are. You know, who are the people I could talk to that can help me think out of the box, help me navigate it? Because when I'm just thinking with it by myself, all I'm seeing is my own swirl of, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. So stop, get out of your own way, as you referenced earlier. Go to your colleagues, your peers. Go to your network and brainstorm it. Because when we're hit with that obstacle, we can't see how to get around, over, or through the obstacle. When we open that to a discussion with a, a one, two, or three great minds, People are seeing things from different perspectives. Know who those people are in your world and use them. And be there for them as well, of course. Yeah, so yeah, and I've, I've seen that. And so this speaks a little bit to what I call culture. Mm -hmm. And in some cultures and in, in, an, in an ideal environment, that's the way everything works. However, I've, I've, I've been in, uh, in moments where you've got shutdown culture and you know, uh, you're, you're accused of uh, goofing off when you're in a huddle. And, and because uh, mercifully, though, for most of my work, in a lot of instances, we had a lot of conversations. I'd walk uh, around the corner, around the partition and, and uh, had great colleagues that we could run things by. And that was just a way of living. We just did that because we were dealing with very complicated things. But sometimes the culture is a little bit tight where you don't have these conversations. So my thought was uh, in and around uh, a culture uh, that doesn't encourage innovation, brainstorming, and, and, uh, and people feel like, oh, if I screw this up, I am so done. So they're afraid to, afraid to try anything new because if they make a mistake, they think they're out of the door. So if you walk into an environment like that, or how can leaders avoid creating that type of culture and, uh, and navigating around those types of things? So um, I told you I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell it like it is. Uh, the biggest problem when you have a culture that is not a growth and expansion culture, not a culture from a positive mindset. Um, and those problems start with the leaders. And until the leader is willing to do the work around their own mindset, their own communication skills, 
it's difficult to change a culture because culture starts from the leadership above. There's a saying in the um, orchestra that what they see is what the conductor gets. Mm-hmm. And there's also saying if the uh, orchestra respects the conductor, they play as the conductor intends. If they don't, they play just as the conductor conducts. And, you know, every movement may not be perfect. So, um, so talk about um, when we get to a place where we don't know what to do. You spoke a while ago about being right. Um, it's not, to me, it's not about being right, it, uh, having all the right answers, actually. It's about having really good questions. So Mm -hmm. I think there's places where leaders get stuck trying to do too much, but we also run out of energy and ideas and direction. So how do you help people get unstuck? Um, In in getting unstuck, and this I think is one of our biggest challenges, is we, we get stuck and we feel we're getting backed into or pushed into a corner that's constricted on all sides. And that's that emotional feeling of it. And it's, you, you can't push out of your own way. So in order to get into the light, you just need a little peephole. How do you find that one peephole? Don't look for the biggest, baddest, bestest solution. And it goes back to, and and in all honesty, it goes back to my philosophy on keeping things simple. Find the one small thing that you can do that will create a little action. Well, you know, I can call this person, but I don't really know if they're the right person to call. You see, there might be a better person to call, and I can really stay here, and I can think, and maybe there's better people who could be calling to really help with that. I can call this person. I don't know if they're right. Well, you know what? Just pick up the phone and call them. They might not be the end all be all, but that one phone call could lead them to connecting you to the next right step. But staying stuck in that dark corner doesn't accomplish anything. You just look for the pinhole, the pinhole that turns into a small, a little bit bigger peephole that then starts opening up to rays of sunshine. And it's the small action It's not the big action. It's not the greatest idea. It's, I, and I, you know, in all honesty, I'll tell you, I, I've been stuck. I have plenty, plenty, plenty been stuck. And I was developing something in July this summer. And I sat down and I gave myself my creative space. I was outdoors. I was in nature. I was walking, I was writing, and I'm like, all right, well, somewhere here's the solution, right? And I kept pushing at it and pushing at it. You know where I was getting? Nowhere. And I was like, okay, who are some great people when I talk? And I identified a couple of colleagues. I said, hey, do you have a minute? Just want to connect. So one literally had a, had a minute and then the other was like, Oh my God, I just landed in Florida with my kids. I was like, Oh yeah, I'm on vacation. I'd love to say hello. This was not business. Understand? This is not business. It was not a business call. I needed to get in action. And this is a colleague that I respect enormously. She has a great business. She's no longer in the U S we stay in touch and she just happened to have landed seeing family in Florida for a visit. So the family was so excited to see her kids and she was so excited to say, oh, here's my kids. Just like, hey, I'd love to chat for a couple. And we just started chatting. We chatted about our kids. We chatted about the summer. Hey, what are you working on? What are you working on? She goes, oh my God, Ivy, I know this. Yep, you've been doing this. And I was like, just hearing her voice because we've collaborated before opened an area of my mind, of my brain. And I just started writing. It had nothing to do. I just started writing. And everything started coming through. And I was like, oh my gosh, I owe those children of yours a huge hug and a kiss. When am I going to see them? You know? And she goes, why? I said, because I just got clarity. And she goes, you, you had this done ages ago. I said, I just couldn't see it. She goes, I know, but it's been done. You just couldn't connect to it. Isn't that amazing? That's why people lead my, that's why folks need others like 
you and me and Russ, because we can't see our own blind spots. Um, talk a minute about, Russell's teaching about money, uh, funding worthiness and, and a, a several dynamics. So I'm gonna ask the question, <laughs> there's a correlation between leadership and funding. And uh, you know, we're in sales, we're raising money, donor money, we're selling sponsorships. So what is the leadership piece that, that keeps us, we, we got just a few more minutes before we're gonna do the ending routine, so we got about five minutes here. What's the, what's, the, um, what's the leadership piece that blocks us from being able to receive those sales, those donations, those sponsorships, et cetera? Um, it's a big question. Sure, Hugh, just come at the end with a pow. <laughs> Um, so honestly, uh, there's some work to be done about how you, how you perceive and handle money. And I'll also say there's something that's taught by our lineage, our parenting, that they teach us about money that they never realize they teach us. So here's an example. Don't go into daddy right now. He's paying the bills. Okay. So all of a sudden, it's like <gasps> paying the bill becomes a whole stressful. And your parent, your mom never intended it. She was just trying to give your dad a little privacy for a few minutes, okay? It wasn't that big of a deal. But as a child, we took it on as that was a monumental thing. In the same way, you know, um, uh, I have to, have to pay the mortgage payment. You know, the mortgage has to be paid. This has to be paid. So money becomes, there's a heaviness around it. Yet money is the biggest gift to give and receive. You know, yes, I paid my mortgage yesterday. It was, it, it could be pure joy. I love my home that I paid my mortgage on. It gives me the greatest joy. It's with pleasure. And shifting it to that mindset. And then as leadership, executive directors, your board members, do a little more, do some coaching work, bring in somebody and coach around the heritage of money and the heritage and the perspective around and why money is the greatest fertilizer you can give your garden and looking at it that way. And as opposed to it being, oh my goodness, I'm going to put chicken manure in my garden. Ew. It's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm going to give my garden the greatest gift. And it's very much a shift in perspective and mindset there. Hey, Russell, there's a sound bite for next week. Just manure for your garden. Hey, you got Russell, you want to do another question before we do the sponsor moment? <laughs> oh, yeah, this is incredible. And we'll probably have some discussion around that because our friend David Gruder, who's down there, we did a whole program on the relationship that people have with money. And it really doesn't matter uh, what type of organization you're in. It all comes down to really to how you grew up. And we'll talk a little bit about how that plays in the influence of the conference as well. But talk a little bit about some of the tools that you've used to help leaders get their minds around that. Because it's one thing to acknowledge, well, maybe my thinking around money could be a little better. But how do you have conversations with your team uh, around money that move them in a constructive way and make it safe for those team members if, if, they're, if they're not really comfortable around it but are afraid to say it? So how do you create that, that culture where it's okay to talk about it so that you can move through it to, to uh, get rid of those blocks to money? So we wanna see that money is a tool and that's all it is. You know, it, it is not the end all be all. Money does not change the world. It's the tool to make an impact on the world. And very often, um, just like sometimes mommy and daddy can't teach our kids certain things, they have to be taught by teachers. These same principles sometimes have to, you have to have the coaches and consultants be brought in on this because it has to come from an outside perspective because you're really shifting deep, in, deep intrinsic mindsets around things that people learned in their childhood. So a number one, you have to have a buy-in from the group that they're willing to learn. Um, 
So you could, you could laugh at me. I always like to start it with, you know, experiential exercise. So it might, I might bring in a little bit of like a potting exercise with fertilizer and everything else. I might bring in something that, you know, has, you know, like we could, easy to get it, a 99 cent store, those garden tools, you know, what does this tool do? So understanding the actual impact when you're looking at it from a different perspective. So actually create, shifting the visual from shifting from raising money for the organization and the weight around, we have to, re, we have to raise another 100,000, we have to raise another, you know, 10 million, we have to raise, right? You know, that heaviness, who's gonna do what? How are we gonna get the money? It's, it's like, it becomes heavier and heavier. So simplify it in the mind, simplify it and ask people, what is their first thing they learned about money? You know, what's their first job? What did they do with their first, you know, maybe it was a paper route. It was a babysitting job. What did they, when they had that money, what did they do with it? So create very, very happy connotations. I remember going to the candy store for the very first time and I bought a, a pack of gum. I went on my bicycle. I was like, wow. And what you're going to, and you're going to, so what if every penny you are, raise now think about giving a pack of gum and seeing your face having that feeling of that 10 year old or 12 year old so creating that emotional connection that's different than the emotional connection that you're having as an adult oh that's really good stuff um i mean there's been some really good sound bites in this interview today thank you so much um we're going to have a sponsor moment and then I'm going to give you a chance to leave the final thought or challenge or tip for people to take away. I want to tell people they can find you uh, on your web website and it's, it's called slatersuccess.com S L A T E R success.com. So when they go there, what should they look for? Well, when they go there, you have access to a ton of content. Okay, so you can download Seven Traits of Great Leaders. You can have my resource of my latest book that came out this year from the bar to the boardroom, Choreographing Business Success Through Authentic Relationships. You can go to the insight section and have access to my podcast, Her Success Story, my blogs and my videos. Here to serve, here to educate. Well, that is awesome. Based on what we've seen today, there's a whole lot of uh, benefit people could have from going to Slater success.com we are able to do lots of stuff because of our sponsors and um, we're we're sponsored today by word sprint word sprint it publishes nonprofit performance 360 magazine and you'll be seeing uh, a leadership article by ivy slater in a future future edition is published quarterly we've been publishing for five years and it's it's found on the uh, non on the um, Center Vision Leadership website. So, and as is this podcast. And Russell and I take a lot of our content on the road. And Russell and I have been in Florida. We've been in um, in Denver, and we're going back to Florida twice this month and next month. And uh, if you're interested in being with us live, um, so far nobody's taken us up on the streaming, Russell. So we may not do the streaming, but live in West Palm Beach, Florida, uh, go to leadershipwestpalm.org, leadershipwestpalm.org. It's like West Palm Beach. So we're going to be at Kaiser University, and we've got 10 presenters, and we're talking about lots of different aspects of leadership marketing, uh, donor relations, funding readiness, the different aspects of leadership and culture. What if your board doesn't step up to what you want them to do? And then we have uh, just a little bit on sponsorship. The founder of Kaiser University, Art Kaiser, will be there to talk about his vision. Why did he have this vision and what's, what's in it? There's 20 campuses, I believe, of Kaiser around, around Florida. So Leadership West Palm, um, if you don't make that one, we'll be in Orlando uh, next month. Uh, OrlandoLeadership.live. So you can go to one of those. We'll post this on the podcast, OrlandoLeadership.live. Word Sprint helps us print the magazine and we mail it. And what we've discovered is if we stay in touch with our tribe, it's top of mind marketing. We have a message to 
the right person in a regular rhythm. So they remember who we are. And if they're donors, they're going to keep donating because they know we have been faithful with the money they've given us. And so wordsprint.com, you can click on there and get an appointment with Bill Gilmer. Um, lots of nonprofits sustain their donor, ba donor base because of Bill's program. So we highly recommend, we use them ourselves, and we recommend that you check them out. Word Sprint, like fast, wordsprint.com. So Ivy, how would, what, what do you want to leave people with today? So you reference challenge. So can I challenge every listener today to take one simple action that will move you forward? And that's enough of a challenge there to keep anybody moving. It, it really is. It, it's a little bit trickier than it sounds, but that's <laughs> very important. And that's that's that probably the biggest thing that leaders get results is they get results when they find that one thing and hone in on that. Thank you so much, Ivy, for taking time to be with us uh, and to share your insights and your knowledge. Uh, that book title again, could you tell me what that was? It's From the Bar to the Boardroom. So I was a dancer, so it's B-A-R-R-E, From the Bar to the Boardroom. And it's choreographing business success through authentic relationships. The greatest uh, successes in my life have come from the relationships I've made. I will be looking for a copy of that book. Part of our offerings in 2020 will be grabbing uh, uh, books and having things highlighted that nonprofit leaders should read. And we definitely like to make sure that our guests that have been here are among those books that we talk to people about reading. Uh, we are here every Tuesday on the Nonprofit Exchange at 2 p.m. Eastern, where we bring you brilliant people like this, like this young lady, Ivy Slater, who is here to share their insights to help us uh, move forward and make an impact on more people. Uh, we're here every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher if you can't be here at our regularly appointed time. We have some videos, too. We post our videos up on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to that. When you go to the Cinevision website, there's a big blue button on the top uh, right-hand corner that says Joy. So you'll want to click on that so that you can keep up with the latest uh, things that are coming up. Uh, we love your input. We're building a community here where we'll be putting more tools and, and having discussions with, with thought leaders like Ivy to bring you the best uh, resources that are out there so that you can go out and, and accomplish the mission that you set your organization up uh, for. So thank you for all that you do. Be sure to tune in here. Uh, next week at the same time, or go to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe. That way you'll never miss a single podcast. You can have them on the go because you can listen to them in the car. Until next week, uh, this is Russell Dennis signing off on this edition of the Nonprofit Exchange. For those of you that haven't booked yet, you come join us uh, at the Leadership Symposium down in West Palm. Uh, uh, so come join us. We'll be looking forward to that. Uh, there'll be more information up on Facebook. We'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.